I'm just going to be honest with you. As always, my first business was a big fat failure, big fat one, failure, epic mess, whatever you want to call it. It was a disaster. And I'll tell you a little bit more about that and how we can learn from it in a sec. Until then, welcome to On Your Terms. I'm your host, Sam Vanderweelen, an attorney turned entrepreneur who helps online coaches and service providers legally protect and grow their online businesses using my DIY legal templates and the ultimate bundle. So each week I bring you legal tips, but I also share behind the scenes of growing a business and helping you learn how to grow a business on your terms. So if you're new here, welcome. Um, I always start off by doing a little bit of a coffee coffee talk segment about what's going on over here behind the scenes. Um, so right now in real life, I am deep, deep in planning mode for a promotion that'll be going on from the end of January to the uh, almost to the end of February, actually. And you'll be hearing all about it right now, but nobody knows about it right now as I'm recording this. So it's one of those situations where like we're really heavy into planning and doing all the social media marketing and all the strategy and the emails and all the tech stuff that has to get set up and setting up all the webinars and just doing all this stuff behind the scenes. And it's kind of funny because it always feels like a secret wedding because you're like preparing to do all these things, but nobody knows about it yet. And then we just kind of make an announcement and and the doors open. And, um, you know, I've only ever run my free live workshop twice live and it got, you know, thousands and thousands of people sign up each time. So it's kind of cool. It feels like we're planning a little secret wedding, but um, <laughs> it's always funny to me because when we do open the doors, I think people don't even realize how much goes into it. It's so wild. Um, if you ever want to hear like the behind the scenes kind of breakdown on how I run live promos, I only ever started them last January, actually. So it's been about a year before that for like the four years in business before that. I never did any live webinars. I never did any live promotions, anything like that. So now I've had a lot of experience doing them. They're a lot of fun. I've learned a lot about them. I've shared on the podcast about that before, but I'd be happy to do like an in-depth one. Um, the other thing I've been working on a lot behind the scenes is uh, developing a YouTube channel again. So I started a YouTube channel a while back and just didn't have the bandwidth or the team, frankly, to support me in consistently developing the kind of content that I wanted to develop. Not to say that you need a whole team of people, you know, in order to produce those, but for the kinds of videos that I want to do where, you know, I really do have to do like my research and an outline when I'm giving people legal tips, you know, or something like this. It's very like content heavy. So there's a lot of prep that I have to do. My business isn't in a place anymore where I can be the person who, you know, conceptualizes, outlines, records, uploads, uh, edits, <laughs> and then markets and all that kind of stuff because there's just too much, like I'm being pulled in so many different directions these days. So um, I waited until I, you know, had the resources in order to have some help with this. And that's been amazing and been very, very helpful. And just like with where I'm at in business, it it literally just wouldn't get done otherwise, you know? So um, that's kind of what's going on around here. If you're on YouTube, go check me out <laughs> at Sam Vanderbilt on YouTube. Um, I've been posting completely uh, like separate and native trainings to YouTube. So if you're over there, come and say hi. I would love to see you. Okay. And with that, I want to get to the review of the week. In case you're new around here, every single week, I give a shout out to a listener for leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. So this week's reviewer is Raina Krapp. Raina left a review on Apple Podcasts saying she first stumbled upon Sam through an Instagram ad. 
I was impressed by the down-to-earth ad copy and very quickly decided to buy her course. She means the ultimate bundle. From there, I found myself on the receiving end of her emails, which again, were so refreshing. I love how transparent she was in what they were. And I found myself smiling when I read them. From there, I ended up on her podcast, subscribing and listening regularly. The first episode I listened to was her planning one for 2022, Game Changer. I've already seen an increase in sales, which I attribute to the tips I received in that podcast. I tend to have a million ideas and love following them all, but with her free planner, I decided to focus on just one area this quarter and it's already paid off in dividends. So thank you so much, Raina, for leaving your review on Apple Podcasts. I also want to invite you to leave a review on Apple Podcasts for my show on your terms, and you'll be entered to win a $25 Starbucks gift card. All you have to do is leave a review on Apple, listen to the podcast, because I'll announce a winner each month at the last episode of each month. So be sure to submit your review now. You might even get a shout out on a future episode and across social media. So head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. All right, let's get into this week's episode about 10 reasons why my first business failed. So it was a totally different business. I wanted to talk with you this week about business setbacks, failure, overcoming, you know, why some experiences happen to us because I think we hear a lot about people's success, especially in online business, but we don't often hear about any setbacks or challenges that they've had. A lot of times I feel like people leave out the gaps when they tell you about, like they don't contextualize, you know, their success, right? So they'll they'll tell you that they've had all the success, but maybe they don't tell you that they had a failed business or they ran that course five times and it failed or no one showed up, you know, um, to their webinar until they finally got to the place where they understood how to better run webinars or something like that. Or they maybe don't talk about like educational experience or certain privileges they've, they've had or family experience and access. And I just always find it really important to be, you know, completely transparent and share what I've gone through and then how that's actually helped. I want you to, to realize like every experience you have is a valuable one that can build upon each other and can actually be useful in the future. And I definitely don't want you to feel alone if something that you're doing now is not working or you're beating yourself up for maybe something you've done in the past that hasn't worked. So I think it's really important. I think it's also important because we hear a lot of people share about how like their business skyrocketed to success, right? Like how they had a really quick um, climb. And I, first of all, I always laugh when people say that to me, because I'm like, I hope you know that I've been in business for like now five years in the legal business, but that I had this other first business, right? So like it was by no means to me, that is not like an overnight success. That's a lot of time and energy and money. <laughs> but also I have had a lot of experiences that didn't go so well, right? So I think we just hear about for whatever reason, like this person was able to go from nothing to creating a seven figure business in, in one year. And it's like, yeah, but they had two businesses before that that were like a flop or weren't that great, right? And we also see, as you know, as I mentioned a lot, we see people with very little to no experience touting how much money they're making. And money is often the only focus that you're really ever hearing about, right? And they, you know, it might be true that they are making a lot of money. It might also not be true. Uh, different podcasts for a different day. But if let's say they are, that's not the only part of the story, right? That this person might be making a lot of money, but not delivering great results or might not be experiencing a lot of like happiness in their life. Ultimately, it doesn't even matter what they're doing. It doesn't matter how much money other people are making or how much success they're touting on Instagram. What really matters is whatever your version of that is and whether or not you're building the kind of business that's going to allow you to have that kind of success. Your success might look different than their success, right? And that's totally fine. 
I also just think that if we don't learn from our quote unquote failures, um, as usual, as I say often on this podcast, let's just all like put air quotes around failure every time I say it. Cause like every time I say failure, I mean like something that didn't go as we hoped, right? Something that felt like a, uh, a learning experience or some sort of feedback, some life feedback. But let's just say if we don't learn from our failures, then we've really missed an opportunity in my opinion. Because I think that because of this kind of like false image you've been sold on Instagram, that things are supposed to be quick and easy, you think that there aren't supposed to be any sort of failures or setbacks or bumps in the road or ups and downs, right? You think that everything's supposed to be fast and smooth and intuitive, but I don't think that that's true. And I don't want you to feel like you're doing something wrong if you haven't, if that hasn't been your experience. That hasn't been my experience. And that's why I want to share it with you today. So for any of you who aren't familiar with like my background or what's been going on, I want to tell you a little bit about my story so that you understand why I started this first business um, that was a health coaching business and why I think it was an epic failure and what I took away from it that I'm hoping you can learn from too. So in 2012, I graduated from law school. I was a baby lawyer and um, I was 23 and I took the bar in two states, passed and started working at a big fancy pants law firm. And I was super miserable. I've shared about that a lot in my everywhere pretty much, but I was super, super miserable, hated being a lawyer. And I, in 2015, when I was still practicing as an attorney, I started a food blog, like just in my free time called Barrister's Beat, um, B-E-E-T. And I thought that this would give me some sort of outlet to creating, you know, some content um, and developing my passion for cooking and food, right? That is like, if you know me, you know, my literal ultimate passion, the thing I would do all day long is like cook, talk about food, travel to go eat food, just read about food. I just am obsessed with cooking. So I started this food blog. My very first recipe was for steel cut oats that you could make like like meal prep, uh, steel cut oats. It was terrible. The photos were terrible. Everything about it was really terrible, but it just started to allow me to have like some form of expression. Like I needed to get this out. You know, I don't know if you've ever felt that way. Like you just had a passion and you, you were doing something that was so different. And like, I had no place to like put all of this energy and love and attention for food. So I started this food blog and I think it was around that time when I started that food blog that I started, I had really been into food blogs for a very long time um, since I was in college, I'd say. And I, but when in 2015, when I started my own food blog, terribly, um, <laughs> talk about another thing that failed, um, I really fell into this like health coaching world, right? Because I didn't even know that that existed. I didn't know what a coach was. Um, I remember having probably all the same reactions to those terms that you you have or that you, people you know have had when like I didn't even know what this industry was. I didn't understand what people were doing. Um, and I remember much to like my kind of surprise and, and delight of finding like this entire marketplace of people on Instagram, right? Finding like, wow, there are like all of these people doing this kind of work. And like, there are people out there who are doing this for a living. And I just needed that first little nudge from the universe to even allow me to see what was possible and that, that I wasn't alone in feeling like I loved, you know, food or movement or travel or whatever it was that people were talking about on social media. Right. So I think social media really gave me an Instagram in particular, gave me this like very visual awakening that I needed to even know that this stuff existed. 
And I started seeing, you know, that there were other people who had been leaving their jobs, leaving corporate, you know, doing all of these things. I, I met um, and reached out to my friend, Simi Bodich, who I've talked about on the podcast many times. And um, she was a lawyer who left and became a health coach. And I reached out to her and we became friends. And I just started to get some of those anchors that I really needed in my life to be exposed to what the options even were, right? So as I was um, working on my baby food blog that was terrible, I, I, I signed up for and took a certification program for health coaches um, because I kind of wanted to see more about what like coaching exactly was about, really get to know better the scope of practice. You know, as, an, as a lawyer, I knew like, okay, I know that I can't talk about certain things in certain ways, but I want to see like, what can a health coach do? How are they working with people? You know, I remember having all the same questions that you probably had in the beginning, which is like, wait, so I just like meet people on Zoom and we just talk like, that's it. So um, I wanted to learn a lot more about that. Um, and I had grown up in a very, very health focused you know, household. My mom is an integrative physician. Um, so she went to med school when I was a baby. So like from the literal time of diapers, I've been talking about this kind of stuff. And so this was always on my mind, very much a focus of, of my life. My mom was obsessed with how, you know, food was medicine, all these things. So I, I just like dove into this certification program and I really, really loved it. So I started that business on the side while I was still practicing law. And in 2016, actually on August 19th, 2016, I walked out of the law firm doors for the last time. So I left and I worked on my health coaching business. I had gotten a lot of that stuff, like the all the stuff that I teach you all to do. So the registration, the website, you know, the policies, all the contracts, I had gotten all that done. I had started to work on some marketing. I had I even started to get a couple of clients all from like people I knew in real life and word of mouth and just some in-person networking at that point, nothing online. And I left on that August 19th, 2016, I walked out and I went all in on this health coaching business. And I lasted about a year, not even, and it was an epic failure for very, for many different reasons. I'm going to tell you 10 reasons why I think it failed. But when I say failure, what I mean is not that it wasn't financially successful. The business actually did make money, um, not nearly enough and not for, for me to like live off of, but it was generating money and the money was growing a little bit over time. Um, I didn't know any of the things I know now about how to how to scale or how to you know maximize some of these things. But anyway, the the business, when I say it was a failure, it was it was not a right fit for me as you can probably tell for like how much I love business stuff, it just wasn't the right fit. I also think I crossed over this idea of like your passion being your business. And I, once I got into it, it started to suck the life out of my passion, right? Cause it was like, I don't want to document every meal that I make. I don't want to record myself making a recipe. I don't want to like, I don't know. It, it just, it felt like work, right? It didn't feel natural. It didn't feel very easy to me, which this business feels like the complete opposite. So that was a good sign to me. And I think it was a failure in the sense that I couldn't make it sustainable, like long-term and everything just didn't feel natural. Clients would cancel, you know, a lot of the same things that actually would, that happened to you, because I know, I know because you share with me, that, you know, people would sign up for a six month package and then two or three months in say, I'm good. Thanks. Like you can just cancel the rest of my payments. I had somebody buy like a package for his wife one time. And then he told me that once he told his wife about 
the coaching package that he bought for her. She was like, no, thanks. And he asked for a refund. And I remember this one day where like a bunch of stuff like that happened back to back to back. Like someone canceled, somebody asked for a refund. And I think I had like a really bad client session, like one of those client sessions where I felt like I was pulling teeth. The person I was on the phone with just like was only answering in yes or no questions. And it was just impossible. And I was just like, what am I doing? I'm so bad at this. I don't feel this doesn't feel natural. Like it just didn't feel right. Right. I didn't feel like that's where my power, my strength really was. And something felt off around that same time. People kept reaching out to me and saying, Hey, I know you're doing like health coaching stuff now, but, um, I know you always also used to be a lawyer. So, you know, what's the deal with this LLC thing? And like, what do I need for my website policies? And how do I handle this copycat? Like people were asking me all these legal questions. And I started to notice something very interesting, which was that I was having those kind of miserable moments as a health coach, not loving my sessions, not loving the marketing, not really feeling like showing up. And then when people would reach out to me about this other you know, business legal stuff, I would get really excited because I felt really useful, right? Like I felt like what I was telling them was actually making a difference and that it was, it was like overwhelmingly helpful because people would just be like, wow, I have tried to, I've been like trying to figure that out for like a week. And you just explained to me in like 30 seconds what I needed to know. And I would be like, oh, cool. Like that, I mean, this stuff's all like, you know, buried in the back of my head. I, I'm a lawyer, right? I know I can help you with this. And it just, I know that like for me and my personality, it feels really nice to feel helpful. I'm sure that's for you too. <laughs> I think everybody wants to feel helpful and needed and, and seen and all of these kinds of things. So I think that that was like the little light bulb moment that I needed to turn down, turn off the health coaching business and give this legal thing a go. So I want to share with you 10 reasons why I think that that health coaching business was such a failure and kind of on the other side of the coin, why this the legal business has been literally the complete opposite. Not that things have always been easy and, and, you know, super fast and successful, but this has gone completely differently for me. So the first reason why I think that my first business failed and something I really want to caution and all of these things are things I want to caution you against or help you to, to shift through. The first thing is that I tried to be like everyone else. Right. So I think it's very natural when you're coming into a new like field, new world. Right. Just like I was explaining to you, like I didn't even know health coaching existed. I didn't know like this whole like online coaching, online business world existed. It was so new to me that what I did, I think subconsciously was just say, OK, here are all these people who look, quote unquote, successful. And therefore, I'll just do whatever they're doing. Right. If I just mimic them and I don't mean in a copying way, obviously, I was I was still a lawyer and I knew not to copy anybody. But I just meant like, OK, she's a health coach and she talks about X, Y and Z. She offers private coaching, a group program and a course. OK, so I'll create private coaching, a group program and a course. Like it was just like the structure and the way that people were working with people. I figure, OK, if I do it like that, then I will automatically automatically be successful. Funny enough, I feel like now I see this with people doing this to me in like the legal space that, you know, whenever I've been copied or like I see, you know, people will often write to me telling me, hey, so-and-so who's like a legal templates person, she's copying off of you or she's using this or she's like offering the same product, whatever. So people will reach out to us all the time and, you know, we go and look at it, we investigate it. And it's funny, it's like, it, it's the same thing. It's just that they're trying, I think what they do is they look at other people's businesses and they're like, oh, 
that's like like the way that Sam's offering these things, like that's the structure. And so I should just like offer it like that because she seems successful. And, you know, I think we often base this off of a lot of external things, like how many followers people have, or if, you know, people talk about how much money they make or whatever. And so we kind of just like assume that they are successful. And then we try to be like that. The thing that I really want to caution you against is not only, you know, is this a bad strategy, but like the the fact that we think that the way someone else is running their business is the standard or the structure that we need, I think sets us up for some failure in the sense that we can't really stand out or be different. And particularly when we think that like our fields are overcrowded, that there are so many other people doing what we do, it's even more important that you do things in a way that is not only best for you, but maybe that's a bit innovative. Right. And I think that's what went like really differently for me when I started the legal business was that I looked around, there were way fewer people doing it then. And I was like, hmm, I, this doesn't really speak to me. Like for whatever reason, like there was something about like the vibe or the way something was offered or even like the branding and the, or the type of person, the niche. And I saw holes and I plugged them, right? I tried to be different. I tried to plug the differences instead of trying to copy and mimic the things that were already being done, right? So there's only so much we can do about like creating contracts and things like this, but like there, there's, there are minor differences that can make a big impact, like the way that you offer something, the level of support, the level of access, the vibe, the community you create. There are differences that you can create. So I would, you know, remind you gently not to treat the way that you might see other people in your industry doing something and working with people as like the way to work with people. It's just a way. And you can do things differently. You can offer programs differently. You can create something that no one's ever even done before, right? In fact, I think that's a great way to stand out. Okay, so the second reason why I think that my first business failed, and this is kind of building on number one, is that I was intimidated by the crowded field, right? And so that, you know, led me to some of that, like, oh, there's so many people doing this, but clearly that just means I need to, like, hop in the water and do exactly what they're doing, right? And instead of looking around at the crowded field and seeing how I needed to set myself apart, I just let spent a lot of time being like, this is stupid. Nobody wants to hear about this. People are already talking about this. No one cares. Like, there's no way I'm going to catch up, right? I didn't even know what, like, lack mindset was or, like, abundance at that time. And so I didn't, and I didn't look for any of those sorts of resources. But I just remember being really, really intimidated by how many people were there. Now, you know, if you've heard any of my podcasts before or you're in any of my programs, you've heard me talk about how it doesn't matter that there are so many people doing what you're doing. A fast track to making sure that you blend in with the crowd is trying to be like everybody else. But if you actually lean into whatever makes you uniquely you, then I think you will be able to stand out no matter how many other people are doing what you're doing, right? So for me, for example, like when I started the legal business, I was like, part of why I wanted to, going back to number one is like, I wanted to be different, right? I wanted to just be me. I wasn't like intentionally trying to be like wacky and unique, but it's like, I just didn't see anybody that kind of would have spoken to me if I were you. And I thought, I want to be like the cozy, chill <laughs> lawyer, right? Like the not not the fear-driven one, not the one that's like, you're going to get sued and you're going to lose everything. Like I wanted to be the, the entire business to be based off of you sitting down at a coffee shop, having coffee with me and just being like, hey, Sam, so like, what's the deal with an LLC? Do I need one? Right. That's that that is like the literal scenario and conversation I have in my mind 
to this day, five, six years later of creating every piece of content is just like, I just want this to be like friends that are having coffee. Right. And so I made coffee a central theme. I made the colors very like cozy and warm and inviting. I, I really thought about it from every angle of like, how can we make this a cozy space? How do we make it inviting? How do we make people feel like no question is a dumb one because there's there are none? You know, I really wanted everything in the business to feel that way. And so I didn't let the other people who were doing this intimidate me to make me feel like there was no space for me because I thought about what there was space for. Right. So I want to encourage you to do the same. The third reason why I think that my first business failed was that my content, my posts at that time um, were really more about what I was doing or like what I was up to or my meal or just like advertising straight to my services being like, I have one spot open. Like I have a three month coaching package of like available or something. It was all like this content directly to that stuff but I didn't make content that was helpful for others. Now you have to remember when I started my business, the social media landscape looked very, very different. So there were no reels, you know, people didn't create like infographics. Instagram was very much still just like sharing photos. Um, and they were like highly, uh, filtered and edited and all that kind of stuff. But none of the stuff that we're doing now on Instagram was happening then. But if I were you, (laughs) I just want to make this helpful for you. I want you to encourage you to create content that is helpful for other people, for your ideal clients, right? So if I were you, I'd be creating reels that, and you can go back and listen to my reels episode. That's episode 18 of my podcast on your terms. In that podcast episode, I teach you how to create reels for your business. So if I were you, I'd be creating reels that are super value driven, right? Tips, tricks, tutorials, like all that kind of stuff. I would be creating, you know, shareable, digestible infographics on Instagram. I would be doing live topics almost as if they were baby webinars. I would be using Instagram stories these days to more carry like a personal connection and a behind the scenes look of my business and what I call walk the walk content of like showing your customers how you're embodying and doing whatever it is that you teach them to do, right? So if it's to run a business, then you would show them how you're doing that. If it's to um, work out in a certain way, you'd be showing them that. If it's about prioritizing self-care, you'd be showing them those little tidbits in your day where you did prioritize yourself or where you did fit in a minute for yourself. So you'd be showing that embodiment and that walk the walk content and stories. You know, if you were on YouTube or had a podcast, the episodes would be like this, right? They'd be helpful for the other Uh, person, the person on the other end of the video or the podcast. So if I were doing it all over again, and one reason why I think that the the business, the first business failed is that the posts just weren't focused on that, right? They were focused more on like a, here's what I'm up to, which is more of a, I'd say a personal social media strategy. And I think it takes time in the beginning to just learn how to show that content because that content is still helpful, right? Like you'll see me share on uh, stories or something about like making coffee in the morning or taking Hudson for a walk or um, like whatever I'm up to behind the scenes, but turning that into a story about like what I'm up to and how that relates to you and what I do, whether it's that the business gives me time and freedom, you know, whether this is the place where I go to get creative so that I can think of podcast episodes like this, that kind of stuff. So it takes time. I think it's like a muscle that we strengthen over time to learn how to convert all of these things that we're doing into how that's helpful for other people. And you'll learn that with time, the more and more you spend time with customers, especially. 
Okay. The fourth thing that I, the fourth reason why I think my first business failed is that my offers tried to help everybody in every way, right? Every budget. I was like, well, I have to have one option for people who can't, you know, maybe spend that much money on this. And then I should have another option for people who want like the premium and who like money is no object. And then I'm going to have this product for like the, the busy mom. And then this product for like the professional who has no children yet. And I have like all these different ideas for some reason of like how I would design my offers to be accommodating to all these different people so that I could hit all these different people instead of really thinking of like who I was there to help and then creating products or programs that were specifically designed to that person's lifestyle. Like maybe that person doesn't have time to sit down and have a course, or maybe that's the only thing they have time for you know, so maybe that person doesn't have time for one-to-one calls, or maybe that's what they love. Like you have to know your clients best, but I wish I would have designed the offers based on the client and like the best results and who I knew I wanted to work with and who I could actually help versus thinking I could create like a buffet of options. And then that way I would like pull in all of these different people. My offers also didn't really have a specific spin of any sort, right? So I just talked with one of my Ultimate Bundle members, Kim, who you're actually going to hear from in a future episode, episode 31. Um, But Kim is actually a teacher turned entrepreneur. And we were talking about some of the programs and offerings that she's creating right now, including these courses that are meant for parents who want to continue the education at home, right? Who want to help their children work through some uh, question or issue that they're having with with learning, with school, with some area of study. And she wants to help parents who want to, you know, further that education at home have access to those resources. And so she has like such a unique and specific spin on like, it's not just like, here's an online tutoring company. It's like, this is a course specifically for parents who want to sit down and help their children work through something, but don't necessarily have the teaching skills um, or tools to know how to do so. Right. And she's a super warm, super inviting person. And so like, she's the perfect person to do this. And she has the experience, right? She was a teacher of that nature. Like she was doing exactly this kind of work. She does do the private tutoring. So she has such a specific spin. It was so funny talking with her the other day and you'll hear our interview, um, on February 21st, but it was so funny talking with her. Cause I was thinking like how she's nailing it in her first go where I, that when I had my first business, I was like, here's a general course about how to eat well. Like, and it wasn't like for anyone and it wasn't even specific about what that even meant. Like it just wasn't good. So don't do that. <laughs> okay. The fifth reason why my first business failed versus this business is that I did not do any research or talk to my ideal clients beforehand. What I did was design all of my programs, my content, my offerings with what I thought they should have, right? I was basically throwing my idea of what I thought was right onto them and saying, this is what you need instead of finding out what they actually wanted. So when I started this business instead, like I said, people were reaching out to me and asking me questions. But then what I did was take those conversations further. So I used it as a little bit of research development and said, you know, I don't, I don't do this in my business. At that point, it was like, I don't do that. Right. And I wasn't working as a legal business at all. So I'd say like, this isn't actually like one of my offerings right now, but I'm very curious to talk to you more about what your questions are. Where have you tried looking? What were the things that you got caught up on? You know, have you checked out anybody who was doing this kind of work? What didn't you like? What didn't speak to you? What was missing? And I used all of those as research. I didn't really know it at the time, to be honest, but I was just curious. And I kind of led with that curiosity as things got closer. And I 
I decided to like really go all in on this business, I did have more formal like coffee talk type things with people who I'd be like, tell me about your business. Tell me about that. Tell me what your, what challenges you face. Tell me what you wish, you know, how things were different. So I did all of that. And I talked to my ideal clients a lot more in this business. I also, as I was building the business, so this isn't something that only has to happen before you start your business. As I was building the legal business, I kept talking to people, right? I kept, I had free calls. I took notes on every call. I have a Google doc that's like hundreds of pages with all these notes. I, every time people would write to me or ask me a question, I would save it in what I call a sizzle file on Google Drive. And I would, I would put like everything. I'd put their language, what they were asking about, what they do. Like I just kept accumulating data essentially. And that just ended up giving me so much like fuel and ideas and all this kind of stuff as the business went on. And I learned how to actually speak my customer's language, not my own, which is super important. And I think that even today, right, I just, on Friday, I just interviewed three of my Ultimate Bundle members. Like it was so, I haven't done that in a while now. And it was so helpful to me to hear about what was going on in their lives and their businesses before they got the bundle, what the bundle was able to help them achieve, you know, all of that stuff. It was so helpful to me. You can't underestimate, undervalue the, the, like just the impact that just simple conversations like that can have on you and your business. Okay. The sixth thing that I did wrong in my old business was that I picked a terrible business name. So it came from a really good place. Um, I was really excited about it. So my business was called Huga Wellness, H-Y-G-D-E. And it's a Danish concept. If you're not familiar with like getting cozy and having small moments and turning inwards, and it has to do with like light and and the feeling and gathering and, and coziness and warmth, all these things. It was really, it was a good idea. I was like, I had good intentions because the idea here was that I wanted to help people create more of those moments in their life, whether it was through cooking or self-care, but nobody understood the name, right? And so basically the first first 10 minutes of every conversation was always like, so wait, what's the name? Wait, how do you spell it? So tell me about this again. I don't understand. What is hookah? And it was funny because after I started the business, like, and after, I think I basically, after I shut it down, all of a sudden Huga took off and became this like international phenomenon. But I still don't think that it was a good idea because what it ended up, first of all, it ended up being very annoying and frustrating. It's very difficult for people to find. They couldn't find the website. You know, I didn't have any traction yet. So like, you know, if you, like, if you type in my name now, the wrong spelling, like it'll pull up my website because I've, I've written enough somewhere that, that it'll pull up something. Right. But back then it was like, it didn't, I had no traction. So nothing would come up. Right. So that was part of why it wasn't a good idea. The other thing I I realized was that, you know, I, I didn't really think about the fact that when we create these kinds of brands, they really are personal brands in a sense that we have to be the, the face in the forefront. And so I hadn't really thought about like, do I want a company where like, do I have this idea that I'm going to be running like large group programs? I'm going to hire other coaches or like do something like that, where then I could see it being helpful. I, I don't think your business always has to be named after you. Don't get me wrong but definitely something that would be easier to understand, maybe connote that it's a bit more of a personal brand and not like Huga Wellness almost sounds like a spa to me, <laughs> like like somewhere that you would go, like a physical location. So I just would have thought about it a bit differently. Um, and again, not that you have to name it after yourself, but that's just something to consider, especially if you ever want to change your business name or like the type of business you're doing in the future. The seventh reason why I think that my first business failed is that I didn't want to create the value pack content that the business really needed in order to be helpful to other people and to like speak to my ideal client. 
And I think that that was a really good way to see that I wasn't really that into it, right? It was more of my passion versus what I wanted to do for a living. So when I started the health coaching business and I wanted to teach people how to cook, the obvious type of content that I should have been doing was cooking tutorials, cooking tips, cooking demos, you know, um, having like little lists of things and grocery lists and shopping guides and, you know, what people do now where they like go to Trader Joe's and they show you the top 10 things to get at Trader Joe's right now, or the top 10 recommendations of things at Costco and all that kind of content, the content that I love consuming now, right? I watch all those videos. I'm a sucker for like any of those reels at, at Costco showing me like what to buy, but that was not what I wanted to do. Whenever it came time to actually do it, I'd be like, I just want to cook. I don't want to film it. <laughs> I don't want to be on. This is my this is my downtime, right? I feel like I have to be on to like go on Instagram stories and do this and that and the other thing, but I just want to cook. I want to be in my PJs. I want to have my hair up. <laughs> I don't really care, you know? I feel like that was just a really good sign that that's not exactly what I wanted to do because I didn't have the fire to put in the effort. Right. And it might be also that if you're feeling this in any way in your business, it's it's not always that you're like need to completely change the type of business you have, but maybe it's even the way that you're presenting the information. You know, I'm a big believer in like showing up on social media on the platform that you that you really like, because wherever you really like it, you're going to show up more and you're going to show up better. So if you really love like podcasting, for example, and you just feel like you're in your element, people are going to get the best content from you there. Right. So it doesn't always have to be that you have to switch businesses, but it could be in that you're trying to force yourself into one way you know, of, of like marketing your business, one platform that just doesn't feel as comfortable to you. At the same time, I'm going to challenge you a little bit to try to differentiate between maybe some fear you have about something versus like truly not feeling like it's in your heart to do it, right? So for example, if you're just afraid of being on video because you're afraid of how people will perceive you and judge you and what they'll think of you or getting a nasty comment or the way you look or sound or whatever on, on stories, on reels, on video, that's not the reason to be like, oh, I'll do a podcast so I can like hide, right? In those cases, we have to work on that. And uh, I, I do think that we have to put ourselves out there, right? That's not, that's not the reason to run away. And the truth is, even if you start something like a podcast, you're going to have to be on Instagram stories telling people about it. No one's going to listen to it if you're not marketing it. So you're going to have to market it in other ways. And people are going to build very intimate connections with you if they see you somewhere on video, hear your voice somewhere. Those kinds of connections are going to go a lot faster and better if we allow people in in that way versus just writing, you know, just showing static pictures or something like that. So you have to find what your comfort level is. I would just encourage you to like not make it a fear driven decision. I would encourage you to make it an empowered decision because it works best for you or best for your clients. The eighth reason why my first business didn't go so hot was that I did not get any help or support. I just consumed I just consumed content. I consumed other people's ideas. I consumed like the concept of how to run a coaching business, but I never signed up for any sort of coaching program or anything like that. I was terrified to invest in myself. I was terrified to invest in the business, right? And I, I definitely at that time related to a lot of what you will share with me is that like, I don't want to invest in anything until I make money. And I think a lot of that came from this, like, I don't want to invest until in something until I make sure that this thing's going to work. I think that's basically what I was telling myself. Now, looking back on it, um, I think that it, it does take a little bit <laughs> to, to learn and to move forward. I, again, that this has to be balanced. I'm going to talk about this actually in next week's episode, episode 30, about 
about balancing investments versus like not, not just doing all this, like buying all these courses and programs and thinking that the next coach's, you know, course is going to be the thing that's going to help you finally be successful. It's a balance though. I think actually being in like a group program environment could have really helped me at that time because I really needed to have probably a space to bounce ideas off of a place to talk with other people who were going for like the same thing. Um, and really having some feedback on the way that I was marketing my business, learning more about marketing, learning more about social media strategy. I think that kind of stuff would have been very helpful to me at the time, but I didn't do any of that because I was so terrified to invest in myself. And that was definitely a mistake. The ninth reason why I think that my first business didn't work is that I quit pretty early. So I think that this comes down to realistic expectations versus why I was able to like build so quickly in the, or some, not, let's say not so quickly, but much quicker in the, in the legal business. You know, I think that going into it, I definitely fell victim to that, the, the content that I was being served on Instagram about how quickly everybody else was doing it and how easy it was for everyone else. And how, you know, 10,000 a month, like the new standard now, 50,000 a month, the new standard. And it just kept going up. I remember when I was, when I was uh, like a young entrepreneur and I remember just thinking like if I tried a little bit and that's not like I didn't just start making $10,000 a month or like clients weren't just banging down my door, then I just thought, well, this isn't working and I didn't stick with it. Now, hear me loud and clear. If health coaching was my passion, if what I was talking about and teaching people and helping people with at that time was my passion, then my mistake was quitting early. I think this was in fact a very good thing that ended up happening with me is that it didn't work and that caused me to look elsewhere and it it also just didn't feel like my passion. And I just so happened to kind of like cross through and find something that that was, right, that really spoke to me. And I'll talk about that in a sec. But I think I don't want you to quit early on the one hand if what you are building right now is your passion. I just want you to have realistic expectations, right? And you need somebody who's in your ear telling you like, it's not normal to make $5,000, $10,000 a month for the first year, two years, like however long it takes you, it doesn't matter. That's not normal. That is not everybody's story. And I don't care if that's Becky's story and she's like the one person that's done it. That does not mean that you are failing because you haven't reached that goal yet. You know, it doesn't mean that you're failing if your business isn't growing month over month. That's not normal. These things that you're hearing on Instagram just are not normal. These are not standards that like you're not living up to. They're just not standards, period. <laughs> so I don't want you to quit early if this is really what you love. There might be a way you can retool this. It might be learning more about marketing. It might be learning more about your copywriting. It might be in, you know, getting a little branding refresh and getting better idea of like your ideal client and actually talking to your clients more, stuff like that, right? There might be some simple fixes. Your offers might need a tweak here or there. You might need a new freebie. So there might be some things you can do. If you don't though feel like whatever you're doing is the thing that you really meant to do, I would encourage you to start exploring, right? You can do what I did where I was still running the health coaching business. And then I had like one foot out the door trying to figure out this legal thing. And once I got that established, I made the jump. I shut down the health coaching business and I made the jump pretty fast because I, I was excited and I knew it was going to, I felt like it was going to work. So I think that, you know, when somebody says to me like, oh, you were able, like your, your legal business really exploded. It's like going back to what I was talking about at the beginning of this episode, that's somebody who maybe doesn't know that what I've just told you, like that I had a year plus of experience under my belt in online business where things were not going well, things were failing, right? I was spending more than I was making. 
And so by the time I got into my legal business, I had very little money. I had very little time on my end left to like figure this whole entrepreneurship thing happen. If it wasn't going to happen, then I was going to need to, you know, get a job outside of online business to support myself, which is totally fine. And I think actually that more people should do that. So it doesn't put so much pressure on, um, on having to build an online business so quickly, but that was my reality, right? My back kind of was up against that wall. And so, no, it didn't, the legal business didn't explode so quote unquote quickly. It's that I had the benefit of building it off of all the mistakes that I had already made, right? So I didn't have to make those again. And that was really helpful. Okay, the 10th and final reason why my first business failed is that my heart was somebody somewhere else, right? It was with, with legal stuff. And it wasn't even necessarily, as I openly talk about all the time, I'm not like passionate about legal. I'm not like, oh, legal stuff, like legal tips is really what makes my heart sing. Definitely not. What I am passionate about is helping people learn how to build their businesses and giving you this information, which I feel like has been like kept from you and which has been like made way over complicated and way over expensive and held by this like, I don't know, like iron gate of, of intimidation, right? And I want to, I really love making things like just what you need to know, simple, here's what you can get done, no fear, no drama, like let's just do this and then let's talk about building your business because that's more fun, right? So I, my heart was in that. And I really just like started to love the fact that I could give somebody a tip or a contract or a policy or teach them how to register their business. And all of a sudden that person would run off and start a business and start helping other people. Right. I thought that that was so cool. And just knowing that I could be helpful in any way and making this stuff simpler, more accessible, more affordable, less intimidating. That was what really like made my heart sing. And that was the moment that I knew that the old business, the health coaching business just had to go. And this was where I wanted to put my heart and attention. And it's been like, how many years? Six years <laughs> and uh, five, six years. And I am just so happy that I did. So I just want you to think back about any of these things that you might be doing. Maybe I give you an idea today. I would love to hear about it. Um, send me a DM on Instagram at Sam Vanderweelen. Um, and I hope that this was helpful in, if nothing else, in just making you realize that anything that you're going through right now, anything you're experiencing in your business is all for a reason. And it will be very, very helpful to you in the future. And you might not see it now, right? I remember feeling during a lot of this time that I talked to you about today that I was a failure, that I was going to have to go back to being a lawyer, that I was like embarrassed that, you know, that people didn't like me, that they didn't like the way I sounded, the way I looked, the way I talked, whatever. I made up a lot of stories about it. Right. And I remember feeling really, really badly and feeling really low when like no one showed up to a webinar or when I ran a group program and no one would show up to the calls or nobody would come to the calls with any questions. Right. I felt like I wasn't helpful, like nobody cared. I was terrified to like run another group program or run another webinar with fear that nobody would show up. Right. So I just want to say from like this perspective now, like look at how far you can come, right? Look how much can change in just a couple of years and stop letting all of these messages that you're getting on Instagram about how things are supposed to be so quick and easy get in the way of you building a business, right? Over a, a sustainable actual business, not a hobby, not a lifestyle, not a blog, which there's nothing wrong with any of those things. But if you are truly building a business, it takes time. It's not linear. Things don't necessarily grow quickly or month over month. (laughs) And there are months where you spend more or you have to invest in yourself to get to the next level or whatever. That is all okay. That's all part of the process. 
So I hope that you enjoyed this episode. Send me a DM. Let me know what you think. Until then, I'll chat with you next week. Next week, we're talking all about the best investments I've made in my business and what I think you should be investing in as an entrepreneur. I can't wait to chat with you about it. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks so much for listening to the On Your Terms podcast. Make sure to follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen to podcasts. You can also check out all of our podcast episodes, show notes, links, and more at samvanderreelan.com slash podcast. You can learn more about legally protecting your business and take my free legal workshop, Five Steps to Legally Protect and Grow Your Online Business at samvanderreelan.com. And to stay connected and follow along, follow me on Instagram at samvanderreelan and send me a DM to say hi. Bye.